0: Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have our final part in our series Life Connected, our membership series, and today we're talking about the mission of the church, kind of uh, why we gather, what we're trying to do as a community. And uh, we're just asking people if if this stuff resonates with you and what we've been covering over the last month, and if you want to sign up for membership for this year, uh, you can do that, and you can be a part of what we're doing. Commit to being a part of that. So there'll be an invitation for that at the end. Also, uh, we start Relate this week after having to postpone it last week, our relationship course. So that's Tuesday, 6.30 p.m. Hope to see you there if you signed up. For now, let's go ahead and head to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church in downtown Covington. Well, we've been in our membership series for this last month. If you're if this is your first time here, yeah, you get to kind of hear a little bit about what we're trying to do here at North Shore Vineyard. Um, if you have not been here in a couple of weeks, you can go online to northshorevineyard.org and listen to the. Basically, each week we're covering a different aspect of some of our core values here at this church. What kind of sets North Shore Vineyard apart, and what we're trying to do here, um, what makes us different, maybe from some other things. Um, and and we're just inviting you to consider these things. And if you would like to be a part of this church, like a, an actual member, uh, that you there's a membership form back there at the back. And you could sign up. And basically, it's just a membership covenant saying, I, I totally resonate with these things. I want to live this kind of life in the upcoming year. Membership is like a magazine subscription. It only lasts a year. It does not automatically renew. Next year, we'll revisit these things again. And basically, so, so we're not asking you to give the rest of your life here to North Shore Vineyard. But... If you believe this is where God's calling you to be, then commit to being a part of the year. And when we say commit, we say, you know, just be a part. Help do this thing. Be, you know, serve, give, do some outreaches, be a part of the community. And if you don't become a member, you can still attend. That's that's fine as well. We'll let you in. So, but that I'll, I'll cover that at the end. So I've, I've talked the past few weeks about different aspects. One was um, the importance of community as being the context. I also talked... Uh, couple of weeks ago about the tension between being and doing, that we want to be people, uh, charismatic in a sense, like, uh, you know, I, I love the charismatic and Pentecostals. They, they have this, this feeling that God can show up any minute. I think we experienced a bit of that this morning, that, that we, we sense God here in our midst. We're, we're the kind of people, like, we, we believe God wants to be with us, and, and He wants to show up. Uh, and we, we pray for people to be healed. But at the same time, we don't just look for God in the moment. We we, we want to be contemplative, that we, we learn to, to see God in our journeys. We learn to get quiet. So we, we're not just always looking for amazing mountaintop experiences. We learn God in the everyday, ordinary, random stuff of life. And so the tension between that, the tension between our activity for God, the tension between that and just sitting quietly with God. And so today I want to turn to the, to the last kind of topic we're going to be covering, um, which is the mission of the church. Now, before we get into the mission of the church, I want to tell you a little something about my own story. Um, a lot of people probably assume that since I'm a pastor, I do this for a living, that I love the church and I love pastoring. And I do, okay. Um, Here you go. <laughs> and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know what it's like. No, um, I, I do love what I'm doing. And I do love the church. And I do believe the church, in spite of all its flaws, is, is as Paul said, it's the wisdom of God that overthrows the powers of this world. It is, it, it is Jesus' bride. It's, it's his body. Uh, I believe all that. But I'll tell you this. Um, 12, 13 years ago, I was ready to be done with the church. Uh, I, I hated the church because for me, church, at least the organized institutional variety, had become a place of hurt for me. It was either a place that was harming my walk with God. Have you ever like, gone to church and it's like, wow, I was doing good until I showed up at church. and Now it's like, it's harder to follow Jesus now. I had some of that. The other objections that I had was sometimes it was just boring, you know like i'm going to give up my sunday morning and tailgating and all that to come here and sit to a mess sit and listen to a mess. some of you may be saying that this morning but uh, sit <laughs> and listen to some guy drone on and on and on about this and that it's it's just boring The other aspect was oftentimes churches felt irrelevant. Have you ever just felt like, what connection does this have with anything else in the world? You know what I mean? It's like, it just seems irrelevant. It has no place in my ordinary life. So for me, I was just like, God, I just, I think I could just do better if it was just me and Jesus. Now, what's interesting, I think that experience that I had it is becoming more and more common in this world. The, the statistics show that millennial generation is leaving church left and right. And it's not because they, they've given up on Jesus. they just given up on the church. They don't need it. The church is irrelevant. It's boring. It's a place where you get hurt. <laughs> it's destructive. That's the way at least a lot of them appear to be. And so by the late 90s, I was actually to a place where I was like, I'm, I'm giving up on the institutional church. I'm just going to do house churches and um i know some great friends of mine who do house churches and and they get a lot out of it um And I I started reading a bunch of books on people who do it, you know, just leave an institutional religion behind. And and I went to retreats with people who were into that. I I went to workshops on how to do it. I wanted to see, like, what is this stuff like? What I found out in my personal experience, I don't want to say it's everybody's experience, is that you can be a small group of people meeting in a home and be filled with all kinds of hurts and bitterness and cynicism. And that's no fun. Like, as, as much as I didn't like the big institution and, and all the things that hurt me over here, I realized we can be just a negative group of people that are navel-gazing, and I'd rather just be down at the corner bar because at least I could be sad and, you know, have a beer. <laughs> the other thing I found with, with a lot of the house church model is that it doesn't have any impact on the rest of the world. I mean, it's a group of people who have retreated from much of the world because they value their relationships, and those are tight. But oftentimes, the, 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 the sense of urgency and mission to, to connect with the surrounding world doesn't happen. And you know, as a musician, one of the things to me is like, like one, of, one of the reasons I play music is there's something in a song where you connect with other people. I love that. Like there's sometimes where you're playing a song and nothing's going on, but then you 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 and and you've been in a, a concert, you know. There's this, just a moment like I went to a U, U2 concert years ago, and it's like when everybody in the room is singing the same thing. It's just like you feel connected with the. It's just it's just it's it's a transcendent moment. And as a musician, I'm like, I don't want to play music just for like. Three people in a room singing the same song. You know, I like my songs to connect with people outside of this. And so I kind of got to a point where I was like, God, I don't like the institutional church. I've been hurt by that. But then my attempts to do this home church thing have not been very fun either. (laughs) Uh, So is it just me and Jesus, or is there something else? And what I found is that God had a sense of humor um he he still does um he we i had had a band that traveled around for about six years around the country doing worship music at youth and college things and phil johnson the pastor of the vineyard on the south shore you know he called me up a couple of times asking me to be the worship leader because they were doing like five services at the time and he was speaking and leading worship at all those and And we finally, you know, for the first couple of years, I was not interested. Because if I had a problem with the institutional church, I really had a problem with the big institutional church. And this was a church that was running close to 2,000 people on a weekend. So, yeah, they're evil. Um, But I liked Phil. And anyway, we just, Dina and I really felt that that's where God was leading us. So I came on staff there. And what I I found that, and it it wasn't all just, uh, you know, easy. But what I found is that God used that to really get at my heart. He used something that I was very afraid of, but he, he put it in a different context. What I realized, my, my issue wasn't with the institutional church. It was actually with people. The institution didn't hurt me. There was actual people that hurt me. And, 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 and what I've come to realize is, you know, institutions can be good or bad. You know, there's a theologian by the name of Walter Wink, and he... Um, you know, he, he's he's saying, you know, when Paul talks about principalities and powers, you know, he's, his theory is that he's referring to human institutions, whether businesses or churches or anything. And everything has kind of a spirit to it, a, a culture to it. And that, that we're, you know, part of our job as Christians is to redeem these things. So, so the institution itself is not bad, uh, but but sometimes the institution develops a culture based on the people who are there that, that, that turns out, that gets corrupt, or maybe alienates people what i found though in my experience with the kinder vineyard was it was a group of people who were highly organized if you're going to do seven services on the weekend dude you gotta you, you gotta have a lot of people working but they were connecting with outsiders left and right. It was it was my heart, you know. Like there were people who never would, you know. Like if I show up at church, the ceiling's going to cave in, kind of people, you know. And they, they were they were walking in and feeling welcome. They were being brought into conversation with, about God, and I just loved that because the spirit was different. But what I really saw that that, that just changed me was was post Katrina. You know, when Katrina happened. We had been in a building campaign for a couple of years, and we finally built this beautiful, almost 50,000-square-foot building uh, in Kenner, and we were getting ready to have our opening service uh, the Sunday after Katrina. That was just bad timing, at least in our eyes. (laughs) So we had our last service like, like a day before Katrina happened. And then all of a sudden, this beautiful building that we spent millions of dollars on, you know, it's had had a quarter million dollars worth of damage. And we're left with like, well, what do we do? And fortunately, as soon as the electricity came back on, we were able to start using the building. But we didn't end up using it the way that we thought we would have. I think had Katrina not happened, we'd have probably just become just very complacent, just very nice Big church that has a good service on the weekends, and I would have been locked up in that church office uh, every day of the week, not having any contact with anybody outside world. But what Katrina did was it forced us back on mission. We we all of a sudden, we realized this building, okay, yeah, we're going to use it for Sundays, but there's so many more things. We started hosting job fairs. You know, there's people in the community that had businesses that didn't have employees because they'd been evacuated. There's people in the community who'd lost their jobs, who needed jobs. We connected them together in our building. We housed teams. We, we started, uh, we had a kitchen where we were feeding people. Uh, you know, I was, I was doing barbecue for like about three years there. It was wonderful. Um, <laughs> then I had a heart attack about a year later. Uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're we're out there cooking hot meals. We adopted like 20 blocks of FEMA trailers, and we were bringing them hot meals twice a week and taking people's sheetrock and carpet out, sometimes just sitting there with them as they sifted through their belongings. And, And all of a sudden, we got back on mission. At least, you know, I felt to me, I think had that not happened, I don't know if I would have, you know, where things would have ended up even in my own life. But it was a very powerful reminder to me. That though institutions can become corrupt, though they can become, you know, there are the rigid church institutions that are so such well-oiled machines, they don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. There are some things that just kind of have this life of their own. But that doesn't have to be the case. And what I saw with Katrina is that when you have a group of people who contribute their time, their talents, their money together, the things that they can do together are exponentially way beyond anything they could do as individuals, way beyond anything they could do even as 40 or 50 scattered little home churches. Our impact in the community was was, was so great to the point that finally the mayor of Kenner was just like, hey, you know, he called Phil up and said, Here's the keys to the city. You know, next time we ha- if we ever have anything like this again, your church is going to head up the nonprofit response in this community. You you get to get in first thing off the bat, and so I'm giving a little apologetic on on on, and I this is, sounds very odd to me because thinking that I would ever give an apologetic for the institutional church, 12 years ago was just weird. But I give this apologetic that one of the reasons that we decided to start this kind of church in downtown Covington has to do with the mission of God. It's my firm belief that yes, we could all be sitting at home eating bacon and eggs, having a few people over talking about Jesus, and that'd be fine. But there is something about coming together, pooling our resources, pooling our talents, being a community that has the, has the potential to impact the North Shore Uh, for the kingdom of God in a way that none of us could do on our own. And really, to me, one of the only big things, other than worshiping God together and communion and all that, one of the only big things about getting together and doing a structured, actually semi-organized, I mean, we're not highly organized, but semi-organized church is the mission of God. So today, I want to talk a little bit about the mission. Jesus, when he approaches I won't read the the scripture, but I'm going to tell you the story. He approaches Peter. Peter was a fisherman. He was probably the son of a fisherman who was the son of a fisherman. You know, fisherman for years living out on the Sea of Galilee. That's what he did for a living. That was his vocation. Jesus comes up and meets Peter in his vocation and says, Peter, instead of catching fish, I want you to follow me and we're going to catch people. And Peter put down his nets. Now, notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, Peter, follow me, and you get to go to heaven when you die. Follow me, Peter, and you're going to get rich and famous, and people are going to love you. Follow me, and you're going to know the Bible better than anyone. Follow me, and we're just going to sit in a room and pray for God to do everything, and we're just going to sing Kumbaya. And Jesus said, follow me into the work that I'm doing. Peter, I'm inviting you into the work of of announcing the kingdom of God, announcing that God is reconciling the world to himself. You get to be a part of that. And Peter put down his nets, and he followed him. But do do you understand, in the call of Jesus, there's action. Jesus does not call us to sit around just worshiping. He doesn't call us to just... Just just do nothing. He calls us into what He is doing. It's the mission of the kingdom. And at North Shore Vineyard, we want to be people who can be with God. And I love worshiping, but we want to be people who are about mission. The mission of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't normally do messages that have a lot of rhyming words in them, but I was listening to... You know, some MC Hammer the other day. (laughs) Kicking it old school. Did anybody have MC Hammer pants in here besides me? (laughs) Confessions. Does anybody have pictures? (laughs) (laughs) The mission of this church... It is proclamation, demonstration, and incarnation. I ought to get the drummer back up here. And proclamation, demonstration, incarnation. We exist here as a church to proclaim the good news that in Christ, God has reconciled the world to Himself. That God doesn't hold our sins against us, but has opened up the invitation that anyone can come in based on His goodness. On his righteousness. And that's the good news. You can have eternal life right now in this very moment. You can experience the life of the kingdom to come right in this moment. And not only for this moment, for eternity. It starts now and it goes on forever. That's the good news. That's the proclamation. Secondly, is the demonstration. You know, the evangelical church has been great about proclamation. I've, I've got evangelical, you know, I've been in evangelical forms of church uh, most of my journey. And they're good about proclamation. Billy Graham and stuff, you know, they proclaim the gospel. Um, but what I love about John Wimber, what he brought to the whole evangelical thing, is demonstration. There's a, there's a famous story about John Wimber, and he's the guy who kind of started the vineyard years ago. Um, John Wimber was a fairly new Christian. He was going to a church. He just got kind of, he was a rock star. You know, he's in the Righteous Brothers playing music for them and encountered Jesus. He goes to a local church in California, and he's sitting there listening to the messages every week, getting all excited, and he finally comes up to the pastor one day and says, when are we going to do the stuff? And the pastor's like, what stuff? The stuff that Jesus did. When are we going to do that stuff? <laughs> Silly John, we, we don't do that stuff. We just talk about that stuff. <laughs> we just get inspired by it. But Vineyard brought this crazy idea. I mean, it's just not a Vineyard idea. But, but John Wimber really latched onto this that that you know we're called to do the same stuff that Jesus did. And so when people are sick, we pray for them to be healed. And I've seen a lot of people get healed in my days. When people are tormented by evil, we pray for them to be set free. And I've seen that happen on numerous occasions. We demonstrate the kingdom of God. It's not just in words, it's not just in beliefs. You know, that, that's one reason in worship today. We, you know, in the midst of worship, we pray for one another because we want to demonstrate, like, God's kingdom right now can come to you. Jesus, in His ministry, He would proclaim the good news of the gospel. You know, He told all these stories called parables. The kingdom of God is like this. But after He would proclaimed the good news, then He would pray for sick people, and they'd be healed. He'd heal the lepers. He'd heal the blind. He'd free people who were tormented by evil spirits. So every miracle of Jesus is really a demonstration of the kingdom of God. Now, Here's one thing I want to say about demonstration. I don't think it is only the miraculous. I think when Jesus sat down at a table with tax collectors and prostitutes and all the wrong kind of people, I think that was a demonstration of the kingdom as well. He's saying, look, the kingdom of God's like this, like this. You, you guys think it's just about your little, your little holy club over here getting in, but, but here's the kingdom of God right here. It looks like this. It looks like God extending his invitation to anyone, not just you religious guys who got it all together or think you do. When Jesus fed the 5,000, it was a demonstration of the kingdom. In God's kingdom, there's no hunger. People are fed. And so I think, I, I think as well as, as, as seeing God show up in powerful ways, there's, a, there's a, a, another side to demonstrating the kingdom, which is, you know, we, 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 we feed the sick. We hang out with people that aren't like us. And finally... And this kind of merges into incarnation. I think one of the biggest, most central things that, that, that has gotten me over the years and is foundational to this church is the idea of the incarnation. Jesus is the word became flesh. He, he, he loved us enough that he left heaven. He set aside his kingly robes to step into our world and be with us. 30 years before he healed anybody, before he proclaimed a message, before he did anything, just to show his solidarity with our humanity. God is not loving us from a distance, God is loving us down in the muck and mire of our everyday lives. Now, here's my beef with with a lot of evangelicalism today they're great about proclamation, but they're lousy on incarnation. (laughs) What does this mean? evangelicals will tell you all the time, nobody disagrees with this, God loves you unconditionally. But then you get around a lot of evangelicals, and they don't love you unconditionally. Actually, they're probably some of the most conditional folks you're going to meet in the world. We'll love you as long as you agree with us, as long as you vote the way we vote, as long as you you don't have tattoos or long hair or or whatever, whatever the, the, the restrictions are. We'll love you as long as you're in our club. And really, what incarnation says, Jesus didn't just tell us about love. He embodied love. Jesus didn't just tell us about truth. He embodied truth. He didn't just tell us about peace. His very presence was the presence of peace. And as Jesus, so you and I. Jesus doesn't want you to just spout off that God's love loves you unconditional. He wants you to be His unconditional love. He wants you to embody that love that when people get around you, they feel like they've been loved by God because they have through you. Jesus doesn't want you to just spout off scriptures about the peace of God that passes all understanding. He wants you to be the peace of God. And when all the stuff's hitting the fan, when everything's going south, when people are freaking out everywhere, they get around you and it's just like, wow, there's something about this person. (laughs) You ever been around somebody who's just like peace in the middle of the storm? You just be frazzled and crazy. And these are the kind of people you call up when you're going through it because it's just like, wow, there's something different. God doesn't want us to just proclaim His goodness. He wants us to embody His goodness. This is the incarnation. Now, you know, the Apostle Paul kind of said this in, in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm paraphrasing. Incarnate, I mean, proclamation without incarnation is just making noise. He says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, if I know how to prophesy, but I don't have love, if I don't have the substance of love, I'm just making noise. I think for many people, the evangelical church in, the, in America, I say that as one who considers himself part of it, for many people, the evangelical church is just making noise, just saying stuff, because there's no embodiment of the true love, the forgiveness, the peace, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. We want to be people who proclaim the good news. We announce to the world... God has reconciled us in Christ Jesus to Himself. We want to pe- be people who demonstrate the kingdom of God, that we're not afraid, even if you're standing in line at Walmart and you see a lady in front of you that's having, that you're not afraid to pray for somebody. Just say, Can I pray for you? That we believe that God wants to demonstrate His power in everyday circumstances. We want to be people who demonstrate. But we want to be, more than anything, people who incarnate, who embody the message of the gospel. That people see the gospel by the way that we live our everyday, ordinary lives. So the invitation to you, if you choose to accept this mission and be a part of this church is that we want to be people who value these things, We that, that we value the mission. What we're trying to do here as a church, the reason I put this church in, in the middle of downtown Covington is we want to be a, a church that connects with the culture. You know, right here in this in this area, we can connect with, we do art things here in this church where we turn this church into an art gallery. Uh, we do different events here that we just invite folks from the community. But also, we this church... We're, we're close to some of, the, some of the biggest needs on the North Shore are within 10 blocks of this church, and we want to be people who are here to demonstrate the love, uh, the good news of Jesus to both the up-and-outers and down-and-outers and down and to proclaim that He's Lord. So if that resonates with you this morning, you're like, yes, that's what I've been looking for, sign up today for your subscription, for your membership at North Shore Vineyard. Consider if these things, and really, I'm saying this. Uh, we we ask that that if you want to commit to be a part of this church, there really are no privileges. You're you're not going to get better seats. You're not going to get better parking. In fact, we 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 ask the members to park further away. Uh, <laughs> If anything, you're going to get asked to serve more, to give more, to, to, you know, to, to be more hospitable, to, to probably get a little bit more uncomfortable with your life. But there's nothing better in life than living out the mission of God with the people of God. There's nothing better. There really isn't. And so it's, it's, a, it's a great journey ahead. And so if these things resonate with you, we've got some forums back there. On the back, uh, kind of with the outreach proposals, it's a membership covenant for this year. Just ask you to pick up one of those days, uh, one of those papers today. And if you feel like God is moving on your heart to be a part of this, uh, bring it back in the next week or two. Signed up. If not, you can still come around. We're still going to love you. And uh, you can still have coffee too. Why don't you all stand up? I want to invite the prayer team up here. And and as I close in a word of prayer, if you want to stick around and get some personal prayer today, um, feel free to do that. We'd love to pray with you. Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst as as a people. We thank you for your sweet spirit among us this morning. God, let this church be a place that, that proclaims your good news, that demonstrates your news. And at the end of the day, let us be a people who embody the good news. Let us be a group of people that, that folks on the North Shore would look at us and say, that group of people reminds me of Jesus. Let us be the body of Christ, your representation here on earth. We ask this by your grace and by your spirit. And in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming. God bless y'all. Go Seahawks. Broncos. Broncos, forget all about it, just, okay. Go, go Saints next year.